dots and checks mixed it up. The Polish red and white saw more red than they should have, and Spain and Sweden give us our first shameful scoreline. Welcome to Match Day 4 coverage of Euro 2020 with us at Bavarian Podcast Works. As always, I am Jake Fenner, here to bring you the action that happened earlier today and give you a preview as to what we might see tomorrow. So we start off at Hamden Park in Glasgow, Scotland, the first time that Scotland made an appearance in a major tournament since 1998's World Cup, and they still have a goal <laughs> left to score for them. It was a 2-0 defeat at the hands of the Czech Republic. Two goals to nil, two from Patrick Schick. We will start with the first one in the 42nd minute. A cross from Janko uh, was headed away by Scotland's Handley. Uh, Vladimir Darida, the Hertha Berlin player and the captain of this Czech Republic team, got a hold of the rebound, ditches it to Vladimir Sufal of West Ham, who crossed it in. Patrick Schick has a towering jump with a great header, no chance that the keeper is able to save it, and it is a 1-0 start there. They go into halftime, up 1-0, and 10 minutes later, Patrick Schick scores arguably the greatest goal in the history of the European Championships. If you did not see this live, you really missed out. A 54-yard wonder strike with some beautifully accurate curl on it as the Scottish goalkeeper Marshall thinks he's Manuel Neuer as he stays way up the pitch, almost almost at the halfway line. A beautiful strike catches him way out of position. There's nothing that he can do as the ball dips and curls in towards the net. 2-0 from Patrick Schick, final score from this one. Taking a look at the stats brought to you by Footmo. 58% possession from Scotland to 42 from the Czech Republic. 1.95 XG for the Scots to 1.09 for the Czechs. The Scots also led in shots 19 to 10, in chances created 15 to 11, in big chances they drew 2-2. They led in terms of Passing 358 to 242, as well as pass success 76% to 69%. Overall, the Scotland team really just seemed like they could not finish any opportunities that they had. The lineup was well built in order to uh, in order to do that. Lyndon Dykes, the striker, uh, born in Australia but playing for Scotland did not really have that great of a game when it came to finishing. He missed a number of opportunities up front. Just at halftime, the Scottish manager, uh, Steve Clark, decided to swap out their uh, one of their strikers, Ryan Christie, for Che Adams. And I think that was a great move because Adams really seemed to bring some life back into this team, trying to give them a little bit of you know, belief that they could do this. If there was any player that really stood out for the Scottish side, it was Andrew Robertson. He did a great job not only captaining his side and directing them towards further success, he did a great job moving up and down the pitch, really playing more as a left mid as opposed to a left back. Did a fantastic job from my point of view. Other interesting notes, Scott McTominay, who we had previously projected to be a center back, started at central midfield this time. Uh, players like Callum McGregor weren't 
brought on until later. Uh, players like Billy Gilmore, David Turnbull, uh, Scott McKenna left on the pitch or off the pitch, and I would argue most importantly, Kieran Tierney was out for this entire game. It's not like Kieran Tierney would have saved any of Patrick Schick's goals from going in the net, let alone that one that had a 0.01 XG on it, one from 54 yards out, just an insane distance from the Bayer Leverkusen striker Patrick Schick, who easily gets man of the match for the two goals that he scored. Overall, a great performance from this Czech team. The midfield of Kral and Socek had a fantastic job. Vladimir Darida really impressed out there. Lukas Masopust on the right wing did a fantastic job linking up with right back Vladimir Sofal, who got the only assist of the game. Just overall a great performance from the Czechs and a missed opportunity from the Scots where this was really going to be the opportunity for them to pick up points. Their next game will be at Wembley for Scotland while the Czech Republic go on to play Croatia. Next game we have Poland versus Slovakia. This one was incredibly interesting from the beginning to the end we start off with an own goal there have been two own goals so far this tournament both of which have come from Juventus players this one coming from uh, Polish goalkeeper Wojciech Szczesny uh, this one really should have gone to Slovakian winger Robert Mack he did a fantastic job running up and down the pitch, burned the right side of the Polish defense to the ground, found beautiful space in the box. Chesney wasn't exactly blocking off his near post. Uh, Mack took a great shot. It deflected off of Chesney and into his own net. Therefore, the own goal counts for Chesney. It makes it 1-0 to Slovakia at this point. In the 46th minute, a beautiful run down the left flank from Poland's Rybus, who puts a low ball into the box intended for Robert Lewandowski. He couldn't find it, but he dragged enough defenders with him to open up Linetti to slide a shot into the bottom right corner past Martin Dubrovka to make it 1-1. But unfortunately for the Polish uh, Gregorz Kokowiak got a double yellow, turning into a red card after a late tackle on Hromada, sent him off, basically had them play down to 10 men for the final 20 or so minutes, about 25, 26 minutes, uh, and it took a 69th minute goal from Milan Skriniar, uh, after a corner to the near post was flicked back, it found the feet of Skriniar, who just put his laces through it near the top of the box. It was a beautiful strike. Chesney had no business saving it, and he didn't even come close in this one. And that's where the match ended. Slovakia somehow coming out on top of this one. And thanks to other results, Slovakia are leading Group E. Checking in with statistics again from FootMob, 57% possession from Poland to 43 for Slovakia, 1.43 XG for Poland to 0.45 for Slovakia. In almost every major category, Poland won. 
17 shots to 11 for Poland, 15 chances to 10 for Poland, one big chance to none for Poland, 457 accurate passes to 336 for Poland, 86% pass success to 82% for Poland, and then in fouls and corners, both Poland, both of which went to Poland. Um, I think it's a fair statement that Robert Lewandowski did not perform well this game. I think it's a fair statement also that the team built around him did not necessarily do their best in terms of funneling chances and opportunities in towards him. Not to mention any team goes down to 10 men in need of a goal. There's no way that they're really going to be able to get it. It's very rare that they would be able to get it. So I don't want to take away from a fantastic Slovakian performance. Marek Hamasik got an assist off of that corner. A fantastic job all around from Skriniar, who scored the goal and had a fantastic job on the back line to win man of the match. Fully deserved. Peter Pekarik did a fantastic job. The... Uh, outside back from Hertha Berlin. Uh, Jacob Romada had a fantastic job in the middle of the field. Robert Mack's rating of 6.6 really doesn't seem accurate, especially when you consider that that first goal really should have been all his. Andre Duda serving as one of the lone strikers for a while, even though that's not really where he plays. He did a pretty serviceable job up top, keeping the pressure on for Slovakia over their win over Poland, and again, Slovakia on top of the Group E because we have our first shameful scoreline, our first nil-nil of the tournament, Spain drawing Sweden in Sevilla in the Estadio de la Cartuja. Stats lie about this game so much. If you watched this game, yes, you will see that Spain dominated possession, right? And I'm just going to tell you the stats. I'll rattle off the stats. Every single one except fouls conceded go to the Spanish. 85% possession for the Spanish. 2.07 XG to 1.17. 17 shots to 4. 12 chances created to 1. 4 big chances created to 1. 830 passes from the Spanish to 89 from the Swedish. 91% pass success to 55% for the Spanish. Six corners, only two offsides, 17 shots, five on target for them. Only one shot on target for Sweden. But you watch this game, and it seemed that Sweden were almost weirdly the more efficient team though the stats do not say that i will be the first to admit the stats do not say that at all especially when you consider 89 passes and 55 percent possession but what sweden did this entire game they sat in a low block they let spain come after them because they knew they weren't going to win the game of running up and down the pitch with the spanish and they just let spain kick themselves in the behind over and over and over again to the point where Spain were just unable to pull out any positive result at all. Uh, 
I will give a lot of credit to the back line of Spain. Uh, Marcos Llorente, Americ Laporte, Pau Torres, and Jordi Alba all had a fantastic game. The worst performance on the field, 100% goes to Alvaro Morata. He had so many wide-open chances that he scuffed and could not finish. It's been something that's been plaguing him for the last couple of years, and it is very clear, if I am Luis Enrique, that he cannot, cannot start next game. 100% cannot start this next game. Gerard Moreno was able to come onto the field. There were rumors that he was not playing well, or that he did not feel well, or that he took a knock. For some reason, he did not start. He has to start next game, if I am Spain. Moreno had a fantastic line for Villarreal in their season, helping them go all the way to the Europa League finals. He needs to start next game. It cannot be Alvaro Morata. Morata had one of the clearest chances of the entire game, and he missed it far wide. In the first half, there weren't really many good chances. There were a lot of shots, but there weren't many good chances. And Sweden arguably had more good chances at the end. Alexander Ishak had a very, very close chance at scoring a goal. He took this shot after waiting and waiting and hesitating, waiting for that Spain defense to break down. He took a shot. It went off of the shoulder of Marcos Llorente and off of the right cross, uh, the right post, and into the hands of keeper Unai Simon, and that was such a close goal to going in. And that might have been, in fairness, the closest shot all game from anybody. I have to say this, uh, for me... The man of the match is not Jordi Alba, as Footmob says. To me, it is Robin Olsen, because the goalkeeper for Sweden really kept them in this game. He did a phenomenal job, basically, stopping everything that Spain threw at him. Five saves, four diving saves, three in the box, two punches. Did a fantastic job for Sweden. They're going to need for him to perform well again in their upcoming game against Slovakia, where they will try to go ahead and take all possible points. Spain, meanwhile, try to take that same game and go up against a Polish team that loses one of their best central defensive midfielders on that red card. But with that being said, Tomorrow is the game that we arguably have all been waiting for, the most hyped game of this entire tournament. Wales versus Portugal first at the Pushkas Stadium in Budapest, Hungary at noon Eastern time, but then arguably the best game of this entire group stage. Germany versus France at some place called the Fußball Arena München, which looks a lot like the Allianz Arena. Just on the outside, it looks like the Allianz, but I've never heard of Fußball Arena München, so we'll have to see where that is located at 3 Eastern on ESPN. So, thank you all for listening. We will come to you live tomorrow with a 
full recap of Germany versus France in a German dedicated podcast. We will also barely briefly touch on the other game of the day, Wales versus Portugal. There are only two games tomorrow, so be sure to sleep in, get a good night's sleep. You don't have to wake up as early tomorrow to watch the Euros, which is fantastic. So with all that being said, thank you all for listening. We will see you tomorrow.